My friends, we have almost arrived. We're on the brink of 2024. We are approaching the boundary of time into the next year with all its resolutions and plans and schedules ahead of us. So let us pause just for this moment before we move boldly onward once again. Let us pause to deepen our awareness and our appreciation of those around us, to sense their presence with us this day, to know their presence in our lives. Let us pause to consider the wintry natural world, the trees with branches stripped bare, an elegant architecture on display for all to see. Let us pause to feel the spirit of life and love that ties us to each other, that winds its way through our very bones and settles in our hearts. Before we move forward, armed with resolutions that may well be forgotten all too soon in the day-to-day -day of living, let us notice what it is that truly remains every year, every day. What exists beyond schedules and months, beyond time. That deeper reality which welcomes us to life, not just at the start of the year, but every precious day. With these opening words by Amanda Pope, they welcome all who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those of you who are here in person at Essex Church. Welcome to everyone who's joining us from far and wide via Zoom. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackall and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. It's good to be here together at the start of the year. This morning's service has a title called Retreat, a pause with a purpose. We held a mini retreat online yesterday, the first of a long, year-long series of uh, online and in-person mini retreats. These retreats are intended to be spaces for us to step back from the hurly-burly of everyday life. Time we've set aside for a sacred pause. So today we'll be exploring the practice and the purpose of retreat, the varied forms that it might take, and why it might be a good idea to intentionally carve out such space in our lives. But before we go any further, let's do what we always do. Let's take a pause now, a pause to get settled to arrive and catch up with ourselves, a time to prepare our hearts to worship. We make this hour sacred with our presence and intention, so let's take a conscious breath or two, do whatever we need to do to ground ourselves in the here and now. And I'll light our chalice flame now as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. As this chalice is lit, let us settle together into this sacred space we are co-creating. Let all the cares of the day fall away just for a while. Let us know that here is a place for quiet reflection, a place for a pause in our lives, for breathing into our true selves. Let what is said and felt here add richness to our lives 
and call us back to living by the values we share. For we are stronger together, held in community, sharing this experience of being human. So that the symbol of our chalice connect us, connect us to each other and to our common purpose, so that we may carry its light, its warmth and its message out into the world. Time to sing. Our first hymn today is number 21 in the Purple Hymn Book. If you're in the building, come and find the Quiet Centre. For those joining via Zoom, the words will be up on your screen. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer, but sing up as you can. Come and find the Quiet Centre. Let's take all of those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer now. This prayer is based on some words by Miklos Sekai. You might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable, put down anything you don't need to be holding. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Perhaps there's a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful. Whatever enables you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now and to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, with each other, and with that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of this life, and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. 
be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. And be with us each new day as we wake. Let us know the comfort of your presence and the revitalising power of your calling. Whatever we have to face, be it joy or sorrow, give us strength to carry through the new day. Give us to know that when we arise in the morning, we must give thanks for the morning light, for life and for strength, for we are still here. We must give thanks for the gifts of living, our food and our friends and all those underappreciated joys which we might not notice in the struggle of our days. Give us hope in doing your will and in aligning ourselves with the promptings of justice, peace and love. May the warmth of the fellowship we share here stay with us through the coming week and all it brings. May we draw strength from the faith we hold and this beloved community we are all an indispensable part of. And may we show our faith by extending compassion and care to those we might find challenging and those we struggle to understand. May we find strength in humility, courage in adversity, joy in diversity, and a true sense of purpose. And so in the coming week, may our ears and eyes be open to tidings of joy and gladness still, and to hints of fresh new possibility. Spirit of life, God of all love, bless and prosper the work of our hands, for our life and for the larger life as you would see it, the realm of love that is yet to come. And in a few moments of shared stillness now, let us call to mind all those people and situations who are on our hearts this morning, thinking of all those issues of concern close to home and in troubled places the world over and let us hold them gently in a spirit of loving-kindness. And let us hold ourselves in loving kindness too, for each of us carries our own private burdens. Life is tough for many at this time. We're all too aware of life's hardships. So let us rest in self-compassion as we each ask silently for what we most need this day. And let us take a moment more to reflect on the week just gone in a spirit of gratitude. 
Let us notice and give thanks for all the blessings, large or small, that have helped to lift our spirits. Perhaps in so doing, we can prepare our hearts to recognise and receive life's goodness in the week ahead. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time to sing again. Our next hymn is on your hymn sheet, if you're in the building. Um, little cream-coloured hymn sheet, A Dream of Widening Love. Uh, the words will be up on screen as usual. Uh, feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. A Dream of Widening Love.
The Recollected Heart, a monastic retreat by Philip Zaleski. Retreat, this needs to be with myself for a time, to make a little world within the world where I could be safe and where I could think is a leitmotif of my life. We all enter the world after a good retreat, nine months in our mother's womb, in the cushioned serenity of the amniotic ocean, where the miraculous transformation from one level of being to another takes place, and a clump of cells becomes a bawling baby. A comparable transformation, it struck me, is what we adults seek when we make for the hills. We seek rebirth in things large and small. We long to be refreshed, receded, inspired to be, as Paul puts it in letter to the Ephesians, renewed in the spirit. Certain things always happen on retreat if one is properly prepared. Time slows down, space dilates, objects attain a starkness of outline and brilliancy of color that they rarely possess in ordinary life. Things become transparent and their essential being shines through. When I chew a raspberry, its flavor explodes in my mouth. The whole fruit rushes forth to meet me, the tiny hair stubbling the skin, the tart juice, the rough globular joy of its raspberryness, like a red sun come down to earth. I too change while on retreat. As the world comes to me, I go forth to greet it, gladly. I slow down, take my time with things, and enter into each activity with all my being. Away from the world's ceaseless din, one hears whispers from another realm, faint but compelling. Honed senses, vitality, other external changes, as valuable as they, are, as they may be, only hint at the real transformation to be found. New possibilities beckon, fresh ways of being, seeing, doing, priceless gifts at once familiar and strange, one is perspective, another is prayer. We all know what perspective means, but how rarely we attain it. The ability to see a situation objectively as someone else might see it, its importance cannot be overstated. On retreat, we see with new eyes, we think with new minds. Even more important, however, is prayer. Each time we pray, it is like coming up to another level of being like swimming from Stygian depths to the sunlit surface of a pool where we float for a while in the presence of God. Retreat is neither whim nor luxury nor self-indulgence, but a rock-bottom staple of a healthy life. We need retreat as surely as we need oxygen. While any given retreat may start out as a joyride, a few days away from spouse, kids, or a job, it always winds up as a pilgrimage we start to look for what really counts. Retreat, then, is life stripped bare, boiled to the bones, paired to the first and final things. In the Christian tradition, such uncloaking of self and senses plays an indispensable role in spiritual growth. God calls us, always and everywhere. Our task is to find conditions that allow us to hear and respond to the divine invitation breaking from habit, filtering out the noise of the world, seeking a place apart. By going on retreat, we give ourselves the opportunity, without one hopes, too severe a bump, to dismount, to turn around, to see our lives afresh, 
At its very best, this vision brings with it joy, energy, and a sense of purpose that revitalizes us and inevitably those around us. It may even change the world. Thanks, Anthony. So we're moving into a time of meditation now. Um, I'm going to share a very, very short poem, Clearing, by Martha Postlethwaite to lead into this meditative time. I think I'm going to read it twice through because it's often quite hard to absorb poetry at first encounter. And I think it's one that resonates with our theme today. The poem will take us into three minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of a bell. And then we're going to hear some music from Holly and Andrew. So again, let's do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to ground yourself. You might want to close your eyes. The words, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Clearing by Martha Postlewaite. Do not try to save the whole world or do anything grandiose. Instead, create a clearing in the dense forest of your life and wait there patiently until the song that is your life falls into your own cupped hands and you recognize and greet it. Only then will you know how to give yourself to this world so worthy of rescue. Do not try to save the whole world or do anything grandiose. Instead, create a clearing in the dense forest of your life and wait there patiently until the song that is your life falls into your own cupped hands and you recognize and greet it. Only then will you know how to give yourself to this world so worthy of rescue.
What is a Retreat by Trevor Miller. In its simplest form, retreat means to withdraw, to draw back. Throughout the ages, the Christian tradition has understood retreat to be an important part of spiritual formation. That is a time consciously set aside for God, for a change of focus, for a deliberate act of stepping outside of normal routine by withdrawing, but not running away, from the noise and pressures, leaving behind the immediate and insistent claims of our social, domestic, and workaday responsibilities in order to be in a quiet place where all our senses are open and ready to listen to God. Evelyn Underhill spoke of this as loitering with intent. The goal of our retreat is to be as fully present as we can be to God, ourselves, and the moment, not elsewhere, in keeping company with God. We take the opportunity to recollect, remember, re-examine that which is important and central. So, like Humpty Dumpty, we can be put back together again. It is a recognition of the need to be with myself for a time to think, pray, and reflect on who I am, what I am, where I am, in relation to God, self, others, world. People go on retreat to seek God through time apart, which is why it's important to provide a context and framework for retreat. Solitude, stillness, time for prayer and reflection, time to stop, and time to talk and share. Sharing things that are not always possible in the demands of normal everyday life. On retreat, we begin to take stock of our lives. Retreat is a journey to the center of the spiritual world of our own inner life, and as such, we need to beware and be aware that retreat is not always a nice place to be, to stop, and to withdraw from the pace of life allows those things we suppress to come to the surface. We can see with this understanding that retreat is not an escape from reality, but a very real engagement with reality and often about facing the truth about oneself. The purpose of retreat is to dispel illusion, set aside distraction, and begin to penetrate the superficiality that deadens sensitivity to God. Retreat gives us fresh ways of seeing and opens new possibilities. Even though we usually have to go back into the very same situations, the same circumstances, the same roles, responsibilities, and relationships that we left behind, we do so having changed inside. Renewed perspective brings us to a place where true priorities are reordered. A sense of direction is renewed and a right kind of action is resolved. Amen. Thanks, Sonia.
So at the end of another year, I thought it would be a good time for us to reflect on this practice of retreat for a couple of reasons. In part, of course, as Nikola already mentioned, it's because we kicked off this programme of mini retreats this weekend with a few hours thinking about the new year and what it might hold and the old year and what it tells us yesterday afternoon. There were 16 of us on Zoom yesterday afternoon, and we're planning to hold these mini retreats every other month Um if you'll permit me to plug, the next one will be on the weekend of the 2nd and the 3rd of March, um, which we will be about the stories of our lives. But another reason for today's focus on retreat was the sense that the turn of the year often is a good time for taking stock, for taking a pause in this slightly peculiar post-Christmas week where time loses all meaning and we don't necessarily know what day it is. Whether or not you're one for making New Year's resolutions, and you know this is a time when many of us do uh, look back, look forward, set intentions, make plans for the year to come. We set out our stall, and for that we take some sort of reflective pause. And I suspect that quite a few of us really, really need to take that time to pause and take stock. Many of us have day-to-day -day responsibilities, whether that's a day job or work within the home, volunteering commitments, or the practical and emotional load of caring for others and for ourselves. I mean, mo many of us are in some sense always on. There are always many plates to be spun, people and things clamoring for our attention. We can find ourselves playing whack-a-mole with all these issues that need to be dealt with in life. We might find ourselves running on autopilot just to make it through the day, just putting one foot after the other to keep on keeping on. It can be really hard to intentionally say stop and step off that treadmill while the to-do list is inevitably incomplete. It can feel impossible to let go of responsibilities, or at least perhaps it never seems quite the right time to do so. Maybe we're worried about getting further behind and never catching up with ourselves again. Maybe we're fearful of letting other people down. Some of us only stop when our body or our mind cries no more and we burn out or fall into a slump of some kind. It takes a conscious and somewhat countercultural effort to stop, to unplug, to turn away from the habits and demands of our everyday life and put something else at the centre of our attention. And to some degree, we're already doing that by coming here for an hour or so on Sunday mornings. Well done, gold star, you made it. <laughs> First, first on the to-do list. And we do hold these retreats online and in person from time to time and other little workshops here. I know quite a few of us have experience of attending residential retreats down the years. Uh, several of you have told me about precious time spent at the Athona community, um, at the Amravati Buddhist Monastery, with the Quakers at Woodbrick Brook, or indeed at our own Unitarian Nightingale Centre in the Peak District in Great Hucklow. So when we think of the spiritual practice of retreat, perhaps we most often imagine going away for a few days, ideally to somewhere tranquil and beautiful, so that we are physically removed from our everyday surroundings and thus from all reminders of our responsibilities and troubles and various distractions. Such retreats can take many forms. We might be in solitude or in company. We might be in silence or in deep conversation. Retreats might be more active or more contemplative with a leader or a spiritual director or self-guided, just doing our own thing. Roger Housden has this to say on the matter. A contemporary retreat may consist of anything from an arduous spiritual discipline to an art class or a hike through wild and sacred terrain. 
whichever you choose, the common purpose remains the same, to return the individual to themselves through the cultivation of silence and awareness. Whichever form or tradition you choose, the retreat will largely be determined by your own motivation and intention. You'll get out of it what you put in. In fact, you will get even more because the retreat will magnify your intention. We need to add a note of caution to Roger Housden's words, perhaps. In recent years, there's been a certain amount of commercial appropriation of the language of retreat. Not everything that describes itself as a retreat will have this higher spiritual intent. Ruth Haley Bartner's written on this matter. She says, the problem with trying to talk about retreat these days is that the word itself has been severely compromised, both in secular culture and in the religious subculture. In business circles, a so-called retreat is often just a long meeting from which you cannot go home. Typically, we work harder on a retreat than on our normal working day, and we come home exhausted. The same can be true in church culture. We might be accustomed to retreats that include a carefully orchestrated programme of activities, and while such events are wonderful opportunities for building community and creating space for focused teaching and interaction, they also can be stimulating to the extent that nobody leaves rested or in touch with their own soul. At least not in the way that Jesus encouraged his disciples to come away with me and rest a while. Words from Ruth Haley Barton. So retreat is not just switching off or taking time out, important as those things are, and there's a real need for regular, very regular time set aside for proper rest and reconnection, something like a weekly Sabbath practice, perhaps, um, supplemented by occasional longer retreats. But the practice of spiritual retreat has got this extra dimension to it, intentionality. That's why I gave today's service this subtitle, A Pause with a Purpose. If you're God-minded, if God language means something to you, then perhaps it makes most sense to conceive of retreat as spending time with God. If God language doesn't speak to you, perhaps you could think of spiritual retreat as a time of intentional recentering, reorienting, remembering what really happened, what really matters, and resetting your course in life. And you may have noticed a lot of these re, re, re words cropped up in all of our readings. Philip Zaleski spoke of being refreshed, reseeded, re-inspired, renewed. Trevor Mitchell suggested we should recollect and re-examine what is most important to us, what we want to be at the centre of our lives. Retreat is for reflecting about what's on track, what isn't on track, and getting back in touch with your own purpose. It's this time to ask yourself, who, what, and where am I in relation to God, self, others, and the world? Joan Chittister also says something useful on this. She speaks of the great value of cultivating a reflective soul and a disciplined mind that goes regularly into retreat, into that space where we look, first of all, at what we set out to be and then look consciously at what we're doing now to get there. And she reminds us that retreat isn't self-indulgent navel-gazing, but part of a healthy life of service. It's a space for transformation which equips us to fill our purpose and changes us so that we might play our part in changing the world. And what happens when it's all over and it's time to go home? 
Retreat is necessarily a limited time of withdrawal. At some point, we need to re-enter the fray and face the everyday life we temporarily left behind. Margaret Silf has written about this sometimes jarring time of transition. The experience of retreat was an invitation to wholeness. It was easy in the seclusion of the retreat setting to become more aware of what helps make us whole. When we go home, it can feel as though any trace of that wholeness has fragmented once again, leaving us struggling to keep all the bits and pieces of our lives together. She suggests that trying to make micro moments of reconnection part of your life when you go home, uh, maybe making space for nature, for art, music, literature, prayerful journaling, perhaps with a focus on analogue activities which get us away from our screens a bit. That's a way that she suggests you might carry on the spirit of retreat every day. So all that said, I want to leave you with some words of encouragement to make this practice of retreat a part of your own life. Encouragement to look for these opportunities for a pause with a purpose, whether that's going away to a beautiful retreat centre for a few days, joining a mini retreat with us, or making space for these moments of tiny creative renewal and retreat here and there. And I'll end with a few more words with Joan Chittister, which spell out exactly why it's so vital to do so. Retreat times remind us always to make the space to begin again. And in the midst of the cloying demands of work and money, of money-making worries and family, the stresses of social systems, let us fix the eye of the heart on the really important things in life. There must be regular times set aside to go down into the inner recesses of the soul once more, alone and centred, to take another look, a new kind of look at ourselves. Retreat, reflection, Sabbath and soul space are the essence of the monastic spirit, not for our sake alone, but for the sake of those who depend on us to make the promise of creation new again. It may it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Time for one more hymn. Our last hymn today is number 208 in your purple book, When Our Heart is in a Holy Place. Uh, and the words will be up on screen. Sing up, When Our Heart is in a Holy Place.
Just a few announcements then. Thank you to Janine for tech hosting. Thanks to Charlotte for welcoming everyone online. Thanks to Anthony and Sonia for reading and to Holly and Andrew for the wonderful music. Thanks to Benji for supporting our singing as ever. Liz has already gone out to put the kettle on, so thanks to her for that. And thanks to Carolyn for greeting. For those of you who are here in person, uh, please do stay for tea and cake after the service. Pear and ginger cake today, one of my absolute favorites. Sorry, people at home. If you're joining on Zoom, please do hang around for a chat with Charlotte. We have various small group activities going on. Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering, uh, takes place online Friday at 7. This week's theme is About Time. Um, let me know if you want to sign up and I'll send you the link. Sonia's back with her near classes on Friday lunchtime here in the building. Our community singing group will be back the following Wednesday, 10th of January. That has been great fun so far. Come along, no musical ability required. Um, you may be here all night because our singing teacher doesn't know when to stop. He's enjoying himself so much. Um, an extra thing I wanted to plug today, we've got our new Better World book group starting in January. You've got about a month, if you want to, to read the first title, which is A Hidden Wholeness by Parker J. Palmer. We've got three copies to lend out if people want to borrow one, or you can get um, an audio book. People who are on Audible, apparently it's a free title on Audible. Um, yeah, let me know if you're planning to be part of that. That's on the 28th of January, 7.30 online. Uh, and let me know if you want to borrow one. Rather excitingly, we've got the induction service coming up on the 27th of January. I think there's going to be about 60 people in person for that and another 20 online. Uh, we could really do with some help on the day. Greeters, welcomers, tea makers, cake offerers. So if you're willing to help out, can you let me or Liz or perhaps Patricia know and we're going to have a little get together to make a plan of action. Um, you may know we were due to have an in-person mini-retreat today. We called that off because sign-ups were too low for it to go ahead. Um, we are going to carry on scheduling these in-person activities, but if you want them to happen, please, please, please sign up early. We need to have like at least about six people for it to be viable because a large part of it is the sharing. So I hope that will take off in due course, but we're not doing it today. Next Sunday, uh, we'll be back at 11 o'clock when Sarah will be leading the service on the theme of Epiphany. All the details of events are on the back of your order of service or they're in the Friday email. The congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch, nurture supportive connections and look out for each other as best you can. I think that's everything. Just some closing words and closing music now. We are about to extinguish our chalice flame, but its light will shine on burning within each and every one of us as faith and hope and love. So in the days to come, may we always be guided by the light of this inner beacon, reminding us of the community that we've known here and recalling us to our highest aspirations, our best selves. And may it be so for the greater good of all. Amen.